I'd like to wish you all a very happy new year. It's kind of hard to believe we're already at 2020. Time is rushing on, all rushing towards eternity and hopefully the heavenly banquet. So the epistle for this feast of the circumcision of our Lord, the octave of Christmas, is taken from St. Paul's letter to Titus. Dearly beloved, the grace of God our Savior has appeared to all men, instructing us that, denying ungodliness and worldly desires, we should live soberly and justly and godly in this world, looking for the blessed hope and coming of the glory of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and might cleanse to himself a people acceptable, a pursuer of good works. These things speak and exhort. Christ Jesus our Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the second chapter of the gospel of St. Luke. At that time, after eight days were accomplished that the child should be circumcised, his name was called Jesus, which was called by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, the feast of Christmas is not the feast of Christ the King, but it is the feast of the coming of Christ the King. A tiny child in the scene of Bethlehem is one whom we acknowledge to be our King, whom we believe truly to be our King. This is expressed in so many of our Christmas carols. When we sing, O come, all we faithful, we say that our Lord is born the King of angels. When we sing the hymn, What Child Is This? We see the King of kings salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. And this, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Especially that lovely little Christmas carol, Sleep Holy Babe, makes particular reference to the fact that even though it's a tiny little child, yet he is truly the one who governs the entire universe, and also hopefully us. Thine angels watch around, all bending low with folded wings before the incarnate King of Kings in reverent awe profound. So our Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ child, is the King of kings. And because he's the King of kings, he's the King of everything. Absolutely everything. And that includes time. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the King of time. And I especially think it's appropriate to speak about his kingship over time. When we've come to the end of time 2019, and the beginning of time with 2020. You know, at the Paschal Vigil, when the priest is making all these marks on the Paschal candle, one of the things that he does is he inscribes the year on the Paschal candle. And when he does that, he says, Ipsius sunt tempora, the ages or the time 
belongs to him. He owns time. Our Lord is king of time. What does this mean, you might say? What does it mean to be the king of time? I think there's three ways in which we can say that our Lord is the king of time. And I want to go through these three ways so that we can especially want to draw the proper fruits from Christmas, that we want to submit to Christ our King, that we acknowledge Him as our King, and we do not just say that with our lips, but we do want to be saved by Him, we do want to submit to Him. So the first way we can say that our Lord is the King of time is that He is the one who decides what happens in time. He is the one who has decided the very laws of the universe. It's the laws of the universe that decide the way things operate in this space that we occupy. If you're able to decide the laws by which things act, then really you are the king of reality. And it is, we know that all things were made through the word. Without him was nothing that had been made. So it's our Lord who establishes what is and what is not. And for those things that are, he says how they act. He gives to them their natures. We know this is very, this should be very obvious to us by our own human condition. When you come into this world, you don't get to decide the way things happen in this world. You come into a framework of laws that are already pre-existing you, and you insert yourself into that. You must simply follow those laws. You don't get to create them. You don't get to determine them. And that's particularly obvious to us with respect to our human condition. Even regardless of the insane gender ideology that goes on today where there's this pretense that that humans have the ability to legislate the laws of human nature, that we don't come into this world sort of with humanity or what it means to be a human already defined for us, but somehow we have the power to define human nature regardless of that, as I say, insane pretense on the part of, of modern human beings. The fact is that they cannot change anything. They cannot change one iota of what human beings are. They have no power, absolutely no power to legislate over human nature. They can only destroy what is already there. They cannot build up. They cannot create human beings. So obviously it's, it's absolutely impossible for anybody to change their gender. But, but so let's take a more common example. It is a law for our human condition that we have to breathe, eat, drink, and sleep if, if we're going to live, if we're going to survive. And this is not a decision that any of us made. It's just a decision that our designer made, that, that God made. And, and no one of us can go against that. That is a law. Those are laws that are decided for us. And you can be the hard, most hardened atheist in the world and say, you know, I will refuse God, I will not serve God. Well, an atheist is definitely going to serve God in fulfilling the laws of his own human nature. He has to. He can say, well, you know, I refuse to eat. But he can't say, 
I refuse to eat, and I will survive. There's absolutely no power to do that. You either eat and survive, or you don't eat and you don't survive. There's no way to not eat and survive. It's just the way human nature works. So the human, our human condition, in this sense, is not a human creation. Our human condition is conditional on a decision made by God, made from all eternity. God decides what happens for humans, and he decides what happens for everything else in this universe, everything that exists. And in this sense, he is the king of time because he makes the laws for what happens in time. And you may be saying to yourself, well, wait a second, Father. What about human free will? Don't humans also have the ability to make decisions? Don't we have the ability to make things happen in reality? Don't we have a certain power over reality? And to this, I would say, well, yes, yes, we do have free will. But again, understand that your free will is only operative within a framework of laws that is already established. Your free will is limited by God's design of the universe. You can, in other words, only do and work within what has what God has established for you to do and accomplish. You have no power over the framework yourself. You have only power to work within that framework that's decided by God. Besides that, the very fact that you have free will is one of those decisions made by God. It was the design of God that there not just be um, irrational creatures in the world, but also that he give to certain creatures the ability to free will. So even that decision about reality is not a decision that was under, subject to your choice. It was a choice made by God. So that's the first way in which our Lord is the king of time. He is the one who decides what happens in time. The second way in which our Lord is the king of time is that he judges what happens in time. And so when we come to the end of time, on October the 4th of 2020, 10 2020 no, that's not going to be the end of time. I, I have no idea when, when the end of time will happen. Nobody knows when the end of the world will, will come. But when it comes, we know that our Lord will be there and he will have the power to judge absolutely everything that has happened in time. It will be up to him to assess every single action of every single human being in the whole history of created time and to give to each person exactly what they deserve, both punishment and reward. And I think our Lord definitely deserves to be called King of Time because of that fact that he will judge the human race. Think about the role of a king in his kingdom. Just even a, a, a merely human king, he is the ultimate recourse for all decisions that are made in that kingdom, especially judgments over people. With anything that happens, anything that anything does in his kingdom, they're brought before the king and the king decides what to do with that person, either to reward 
or punish that person. He's the judge of every single event that happens during his reign. What about our Lord? What kind of judgment power does he have? Does he have an equivalent judgment power with regards to humans? Yes. And an even greater power. His kingdom, we could say, is the universe. This is the reality. All reality is subject to his determination. And therefore, it's up to him to judge everything, absolutely everything that happens in every moment of time. And for this reason, as I say, he is the king of time. The third way in which we can say that our Lord is king of time, besides the fact that he determines what happens in reality and he judges everything that is done by human beings, the third way is that he saves time. Now, this may seem confusing because we have, we have an expression in English that, you know, I just saved a bunch of time. And what we mean is that we found some sort of time-saving device. We were able to accomplish some task in less time than it normally would require. I don't know how you drive it, but sometimes when I, when I use Google Maps and I get to the destination, they'll say to me, oh, well, you arrived three minutes earlier than you were supposed to. So, I mean, I, I saved time. Um, by driving perhaps a little bit faster than, than they expected in, in that journey. Um, but that's not at all what we're talking about here, about our Lord saving time. It's not about being efficient with time. And that's not what St. Paul means when he asks us to redeem time in Ephesians 5.16. He's not asking us to come with more efficient ways of living our life or to make use of more time-saving devices. So when I say that our Lord is king of time because he saves time, what I mean is that he gives to every human being the possibility to make right what happens in time. That's ultimately what we mean by us being saved, by us achieving salvation. We do things in this life and we make them right. How do we make them right? We make them right through the grace of our Lord. This grace, as you know, was, was merited for us at the crucifixion and death of our Lord. And that crucifixion, that one act, somehow stands above time. There's something timeless about that act that took place in time. Because the graces that were merited go backwards in time and they go forwards in time to encompass almost the entirety of human history. The graces that were given to everyone that existed in the Old Testament, including Adam and Eve after their fall, they came from the cross in anticipation. They were like flowing from the future into that present moment of, of the Old Testament in order to sanctify the fathers and the patriarchs. And then the graces that we receive now, after our Lord has died on the cross, they also come from the cross. So our Lord and his death on the cross, that act is what saves all the time that is to be saved in human history. It's what makes possible the sanctification of time, 
which makes possible the rectification of human actions. And so rendering human beings capable of supernatural acts and therefore able to reach heaven. So that grace flows from the cross. It hits souls, every single soul, from Adam and Eve up to all the people, the 7 billion people living in 2020. And the people either cooperate with that grace and they're saved for all time, or they reject that grace and are lost for all time. Either way, it's our Lord, the Savior of time, in his role as Savior, who is master of time. He is that sign of contradiction for all mankind. Not that, that he, he contradicts people, but that he is the reason why people go one of two contradictory directions. They're either going to go to heaven for all eternity, or they're going to go to hell for all eternity, two opposite directions, because of their reaction to the graces that he gives them. So, my dear faithful, our Lord is King of kings. So he's king of everything. Because he's king of everything, he's king also of time. He's king of time in three ways. Number one, because he is one who desires the laws for what happens in time. Number two, because he is the judge of all the activities that take place in time. And number three, because he is the one who saves time. All human time is saved or redeemed or made possible for redemption by the coming of our Lord. And the main reason why I mention these things is that we're very often selfish and foolish with our use of time. We rejoice at Christmas because our Savior comes and we sing our Christmas carols and we have the holiday cheer with the rest of the world, but we don't truly submit ourselves to the Christ child. We don't truly submit ourselves to our Lord as the master of all time. We go off and we offend him by our sins. We commit many sins mortal sins and venial sins in the time given to us. And it just doesn't make any sense for us to rejoice in the coming of our Lord and salvation that he brings us and then go off and damn ourselves, unsave ourselves by our sins. If we want to be logical, if we want to be consistent, we will bow down before him and then we will allow our acknowledgement of his kingship to translate into execution in our lives. We think about all the mortal and venial sins that we committed in 2019. Hopefully we regret those sins. Hopefully we have the desire to be less sinful in 2020, to be holier in 2020. And if we just are unable to count up how many mortal sins we committed in 2019. And we should be very afraid. We should be frightened. We don't know how many times we've, we've gravely offended God and so gravely abused time. Then we should be afraid for the salvation of our souls. The end of time is coming. Time will soon run out. 
not the end of the world, but the end of your life. There's a time allotted to you on this earth, and it's decided by the king of time, not by yourself. I don't know when it is. You don't know when it is. The important thing is you use the time that's given to you in serving our Lord Jesus Christ. Because when that time is up, you won't have any recourse. And if you had a sinful time in 2019, you better make sure you change your ways in 2020 because it may be the end of time for you according to the decision of our Lord. If you're not a friend and servant of the King of Time at the end of your time, then your time will not be saved. You can only be saved through Him. He's the only one that can make time right. Make your time on this, in this life right. Unless you adore Him and submit to Him in the time given to you in this life, then you're wasting your time. You're destroying your time. The one thing you have to do in this life is give to that little child in Bethlehem the time of day. You've got to give your time to Him. And hopefully while, while we may regret, hopefully we regret any misuse of time that we had in 2019. And I'm not just talking about the sins that we may have committed, but our laziness in the use of time, our lack of accounting of our time, our disorder in our lives where, where we just do things, we just fritter away our time, and the time flows by, and, and it builds up day after day. Maybe like one hour here, two hours the next day, hour and a half the day after that, and at the end of the year, we have hours upon hours of wasted time. Our, li- our life is, is going out like a candle. It's being extinguished like a candle. God has given us something to do in this life, and we're not doing it. There's a great purpose that we have to accomplish, and we're just entertaining ourselves to death, or we're just seeking self-love, pampering ourselves in this life, instead of really focusing on that duty we have to pursue holiness, to strive with all our might for holiness. So hopefully we regret the use, any abuse of time that we may have had in 2019 and also rejoice in our good use of time in 2019. We still have hope. Let us take hope in the time that is given to us at the beginning of this new decade in 2020 and have this resolution not to waste this time Definitely not to ruin this time by our sins. Rather, let us submit the whole of the new year to the Christ child, really consecrated to him and to his mother. They are the only ones that can save your time on this earth. They are the only ones that can give you a time without end of happiness in eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.